Praise the Lord. It's good to be in God's house this beautiful Sunday morning. It felt nice to wake up, and it's nice and crisp outside. And we get a little taste of Los Angeles winter. That's about as close as we get. 47 is what my weather app said this morning. Andrea went outside. I think she had to, one of the kids went outside a little too early, so she walked out there barefoot still. And she said, man, the, the concrete outside feels like, feels like a... Uh, the, the ground is refrigerated, and, and so God refrigerated our ground overnight, and uh, we get to enjoy it. But you know it's Southern California, so give it till like 1 p.m., and it'll feel like summer again. So that's my joke is always we get a little bit of summer every day when you're in L.A., right? Um, and uh, so, But it's good to be in God's house. It's good to see you all. Um, I've been traveling the last couple Sundays, so uh, for those who haven't had a chance to see, I heard about the... Uh, the way, the breakthrough, the revival that was taking place through baptisms. Wow. Praise the Lord. Come on, let's just celebrate all that God did and continues to do. Um, I was excited. Drea uh, was giving me updates because she was here and just uh, reporting to me how encouraging it was to see the move of God in our midst. Amen. I, I said this before and I'll say it again. I, I hear people say, man, the church is dying. And I say, well, you go to the wrong church. Somebody say amen. amen, right? If you think the church is dying, then you're going to the wrong church because at Mission Ebenezer Family Church, I just see life. I see life. I see lives transformed. I see hope that's rising. I see babies that are being born and discipled in our Royal Rangers and Missionettes. I see a new generation of those who will carry forth the gospel in ways that they build on our mistakes and the ways that we've fallen short, and we get a chance to set them up for success to be the ministers to this coming generation. I come to our church, and I leave excited because God is just beginning the work that he wants to do. And so I'm, I'm, not, I'm, not, I'm not part of that naysaying crowd of folks that are, oh, man, the world today. And I'm like, yeah, but what about God today? Is the world bigger than God? Is sin bigger than salvation? Is, is hell greater than heaven? See, so some people get discouraged too easily when they forget about the God that we serve. That's what I love about, sorry, man, this ain't even part of the message. I got to get my notes out. What am I supposed to say? We're talking about Christmas and getting ready for Christmas. But we, 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 walk, we, we come into a world where people are so pessimistic about what's going on around us, but, but, but we need to start by placing our hope in a great and mighty God who is able to do impossible things. Don't start by hanging your head saying, oh, look how messed up it is. Look how broken. I had a conversation with a young couple, and they said, you know, we had talked about when we got married wanting to have two, three, four kids, but now we look at the way the world is today, and we're not sure if we want to bring kids into this world. And I said, well, how are we supposed to make the world better then? If you're not going to bring your kids over here to be an influence in first grade and second grade and middle school and high school, we are called. When God said fill and, be multipl and multiply and be fruitful, what he's essentially telling us is, hey, go and make a difference. Make an impact. Go into your neighborhoods. Go into your schools. The Great Commission, when God said go and make disciples of all nations, part of that is evangelism and part of that is raising families who love Jesus. Right? So I don't know about you, but I wake up in the morning and I wake up encouraged because I serve a mighty God. 
Now, does that mean we don't go through uh, challenges and we don't have issues and we don't have struggles and we don't have grief and we don't have sorrow and we don't have pain? No, no, no. Man, we've got all those things. In fact, in some ways, when you sign off on the line to say, I want to live my life for Jesus, in some ways, you've invited even more of that (laughs) hardship and challenge. But this morning, I want to talk about a word, and the word is unexpected. Can everybody say unexpected? Unexpected. Unexpected. Raise your hand if you have had some unexpected things happen in your life over this last year. Okay, here we are in the final month of 2023. We're getting ready for a brand new year, and so we just got a a few days left. And, you know, the next few days, we're going to be distracted. We're not going to be thinking about, you know, taking an inventory of the last 11 months because we're going to be so uh, focused on trying to figure out what's going to be around the Christmas tree, right? So we're going to be so focused on the holiday season, drinking special drinks at Starbucks, putting lights up on the house. I've got a story about that in a second, so just bear with me. But we're going to be so focused on all the things, and then next thing you know, we'll be in 2024, and we wouldn't have any chance to say, what happened this year? Was it good? Was it bad? Was it neutral? Was it exciting? Was it heartbreaking? Was it all of the above? Let's do that one more time. Raise your hand if something unexpected has happened over the last year. See, and and we're still, look at that. That's a lot of hands, right? A lot of us. In fact, probably all of us have got some things that happened that were unexpected, You know, and if we come into our lives, especially as people of faith, and we base our happiness, we base our blessedness on how well things align with how I thought they should go, then I'll tell you what, I'm going to be disappointed every single day of my life. Right? When when, when I try to live my life in such a way that says, man, God, I know you are good when you will answer these 10 prayer requests that I have, when God knows that there's going to be 10 more that we're not even aware of that we're getting ready to pray because life's about to change again. I don't say that to be discouraging. I say that just to keep it real. Unexpected. Things happen that are unexpected. COVID-19, very unexpected, right? Some of you who are a little bit more uh, kind of well-versed in taking a look at what's happened globally might have been able to see it a week or two or three weeks before, but the rest of us were like, wait, what do you mean I can't drive to work today? What do you mean the offices are closed? I work at a college. What do you mean students all of a sudden need to overnight pack their things and leave because our campus is shutting down? Like, what is going on here, right? Lots of unexpected. We've continued to experience unexpected things all around us. Uh, Unexpected wars in the Middle East that rise up. Unexpected threats from powers, uh, world powers. Unexpected uh, relationships that we thought we would have forever that all of a sudden now we're, we're, we're we're no longer friends or in conversation with those that we were best friends with like 12 months ago. And now the world has changed there. Unexpected loss where a family member or a loved one or a friend has gone way too soon. Things happen around us that are unexpected. And as we get ready for the Christmas season, let's not be so immersed in Black Friday and Cyber Monday and special deals and presents and gifts and decorations and all these things that are nice. Don't get me wrong. I love me a caramel brulee seasonal gingerbread latte from Starbucks. (laughs) By the way, those are two separate drinks. I don't put all that in my same drink. Some of you guys do, though. 
I heard your orders. Sandra, I'm calling you out. Where are you at? You're right there. Don't order with Sandra Lopez at Starbucks because it's going to be an hour before she gets her order out because she wants three different kind of milks that don't come from a cow. Um, in her, you know, just to be sure, like, let's get the oat one. Let's get the almond one. Let's get the rice one, you know. Calling you out, Sandra. She's like, whatever, Pastor. <laughs> Don't get me wrong. I love the holiday spirit. Yesterday, we took a picture with Santa, right? He was sharp, too. Uh, my, my wife was, uh, they had to get her phone number so that they could text us the pictures afterward because, you know, back in the day, they used to print them for you, and nowadays, they're kind of like, okay, so you just paid for it. Here's your digital copy. If you want to buy the physical copy, which they already printed, so what are you going to do with it if I don't buy it? Put it on your Christmas tree? That's my family. It's invasion of privacy. You know, like, I don't know what they do with all these pictures that they already printed, and they want to know if I want to buy it. Why'd you print it if you're still figuring out if I want to buy it, right? Yeah, it's marketing, right? Anyway, let me get off of that. Unexpected. I was expecting them to just hand me a picture, not text me one. But uh, Drea, Drea was giving him her number, and her, her la the last four digits of her phone number are 8181. Don't worry, I didn't give out all the numbers. Um, and, uh, and, and then the Santa Claus at the mall was smart. He says, 8181, that means it ain't two. It must be full. Uh, I was like, that was pretty funny, Santa. Good job. You're going to get a tip for that one. Stuffed a little dollar in his red robe. Um, but things happen that are unexpected. Right? So this year we decided, you know, we, we, we've... Uh, We've decided that we're going to stick with the decorations that we've already purchased because, we, you know, we've accumulated a few boxes full of things that we put away and pull out and we put them up. So we, we were so excited. And so we built this, this tunnel. You've seen those tunnels that people put up, uh, like over the walkway, and so you can walk under them and it looks real magical. You know what I'm talking about? So we were really excited. We built one a few years ago. So this is like round three of, of the Canales Tunnel, which, by the way, it's, it's really funny because uh, we got the girls over here, Bailey and Chloe. They're our neighbors. They live across the street and as soon as I started putting up my tunnel their dad walked down and goes oh no He's, now you're making the rest of us look bad why are you putting your tunnel up in November and I said talk to Drea uh, the boss but uh, so we put up the tunnel and we and we set up the lights but can't, I mean it wasn't like in your mind things always go much quicker than when they actually do you know so we were out there let's put the tunnel up so we spent one weekend building it and then the next weekend, we spent putting the lights up. So we went, oh, man, hours. Not kidding you, hours. Because, you know, once you pull it out of the box, of course, you know, when it's all said and done and you take it all down, we should always put it away the right way, but I didn't. And so when I pulled it out, now it's in like 17,432 knots. <laughs> and so we spent hours Right, So we were out there, we, we were like, man, let's put some Christmas music on out there, we'll have our coffee, we'll put these lights up. We had this picture of like this beautiful day of decorating. Instead, we're over there like, like angry with fumes coming out of our ears because of all these knots. And, and I'm not even kidding you, we were like walking back and forth in and out of the knots. Just to, It took hours. And, and I, like, typically I exaggerate, but right now I'm telling you the truth. No exaggeration, legitimate, hours, untangling knots. Finally, we get it all out, and we're like, yes, then plug them in, make sure they work. They work, perfect. Oh, man, we're ready to go. Then we start, you know, looping these things around, and it looks awesome. We turn it on just in time for the evening, and it is just this beautiful picture. We're so proud. We kind of sit back from afar, take a look at it. Look at that. That's Christmas spirit right there. 
And then two years later, my eight-month-old puppy runs through and destroys the whole thing. Like, rips it to shred. It doesn't work anymore. So, like, like we're legitimately, like, upset. You know, you're kind of like, you shouldn't get upset over things like that. A week later. I meant two days, but a week later. Thank you. So it was a week later, after we had set this thing up, it's destroyed, it's ruined, we're, you know, yeah. So since then, my wife has not looked my dog in the face, like, uh, she's just like, you know, you're, we're going to have to talk in the new year, man. Um, but in another, uh, another kind of vein, I was at work, and uh, right before I, I left for the Thanksgiving holiday, a student comes up to me, and uh, just kind of out of the blue, and a student I had talked with once about two years ago, and, uh, and, and pulled, reached into his jacket and pulled out a little card and gave me a little card, and he said, Pastor Koba, this is for you. I just wanted to say thank you. You know, uh, somebody told me recently for Thanksgiving I should uh, write a note to somebody who I'm thankful for, and you came to mind, so he wrote me a letter, and I took it. You know, hey, thanks, man. Gave him a big hug. And then I went back to my office, you know, looking at my to-do list, trying to squeeze in 10 things in 10 minutes. And and I'm like, let me open up this card and see what it's all about. And in the card, it said, hey, you probably don't know this, but I was thinking about. I was thinking about taking my life because I didn't know what it was all about. And then you and I met and we talked and we prayed. And my life changed. The Lord got a hold of my life. Um, I, I realized that God has a purpose for my life. I realized I'm here for a reason. I'm at this college for a reason. Immediately, he applied for student leadership positions. He got accepted into some student leadership positions. And that's created a community for him, a sense of belonging. And he says, man, I found my family. This is my family. Every day I come into my work, my job on campus, and I'm filled with life. And now I get to be a blessing. But I want to let you know, I get to be a blessing because you are a blessing to me. All in that card. So I, I put it right there. And I go, man, that was, I was not expecting that that day. You know, I was not expecting to hear that student's story and testimony. Uh, but life is full of unexpected moments. Unexpected for good and unexpected for bad. And, and I think that's ultimately what the Bible teaches us about how we are to look to the Christmas season. How we prepare for this news that God sent his son, as Pastor Emmanuel shared, right? That was unexpected. We're going to look at a few prophecies from the Old Testament this morning. That's what this morning's focus is on, is looking at what was said about Jesus hundreds of years before he was born, what was foretold, what was prophesied, and many of these prophecies that were spoken by Isaiah and by Micah specifically that we'll be looking at were prophecies that were unexpected to the people at that time. Let's take a look at the first one. It's in Micah, chapter 5, verse 2, the prophet Micah. And the prophet Micah in chapter 5, verse 2, reads as follows. But you, Bethlehem, Ephratah, though you are small among the clans of Judah, out of you will come for me one who will be ruler of Israel, whose origins are from of old, 
from ancient times. The prophet Micah says, hundreds of years before the birth of Christ, that the ruler of Israel will come from Bethlehem. Now some scholars, as they look to this passage, will recognize and see a correlation between this prophecy and what had taken place previously, which is the birth and the upbringing of another king who ruled Israel by the name of David. You might remember that in 1 Samuel chapter 16, there was another unexpected story where the Israel was looking for a king, and, and Samuel, uh, the prophet, was, was going around, and the Lord told Samuel that he would find the next king at the, at the house of Jesse. And so he went to the house of Jesse in Bethlehem to look for the next king, and Jesse brought out every single one of his sons, the oldest first, and, and, and he had a nice beard and, and full in stature, and you could tell he was a hard worker with hands that demonstrated his ability to work in the fields, and, and, and Jesse said to Samuel, here's your king, and Samuel looks at him and says, no, not this one, and he goes through every single one of Jesse's sons until finally he says, you've got to have more sons than this because the Lord is never wrong, and he said that our next king would come here, but none of the ones that you've brought before me are to be the king of Israel, and finally says, yeah, there's one other one, but you wouldn't want him. All right, he ain't ready, you know. He's barely getting hair under his arms. He's a, he's a shepherd. He's out taking care of the sheep. You know, I thought you said you wanted a king. I didn't think you wanted somebody to, to help clean up in the palace. He says, no, no, man looks on the outside, but the Lord sees the heart. And so Bethlehem is a, a city that prior to that moment in 1 Samuel, chapter, or 1 Samuel chapter 16, there was not very much reference to Bethlehem because Bethlehem is kind of like a sleepy town on the outskirts of this area that is not definitely not Jerusalem, definitely not uh, these uh, places of, of high regard. Bethlehem is a place uh, where, you don't, where you kind of pass through but don't necessarily go to. And yet David was found there, and, and Micah then says, Bethlehem, though you are small among the clans of Judah, out of you will come for me one who will be ruler over Israel, whose origins are from old, from ancient times. And it's beautiful that we look at prophecies like Micah, and it makes us remember and think about the fact that our Savior, Jesus Christ, was born in the city called Bethlehem. Oh, man, talk about unexpected. We're going to get into that story over the next few weeks. But if you remember, this prophecy in Micah hundreds of years before Jesus is born in Bethlehem really do remind us that not only was there a prophecy and a foretelling that the Messiah would be born in Bethlehem, but it also demonstrates for us that it's going to come in a way that's not expected. It's not going to be in the news other than maybe to some shepherds. And a few others, it's going to be out in the open field. And yes, there will be a star that will guide a few in that general direction. But it was definitely not something that made the headlines of Jerusalem times. Jesus was born not in a hospital, not in a place where 
those with means might be able to go to bring new life into the world, but he would be born in a manger. You know what the definition of a manger means? It, 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 means, uh, it, it means a feeding trough. And so this theme of unexpected is present here, even in the prophecy of Micah, that the birth of Christ will come to a place unexpected, a place like Bethlehem, a place that nobody thought the king or the Messiah would be born in. But, it, but nevertheless, God comes to us in unexpected ways. So whatever it is that you have in your mind, Lord, I would know that you're real if, and you fill in the blank, ball that up into a ball of paper and throw it in the trash. Because God's probably not coming in that way. He's probably coming in another way. Let's look at Isaiah chapter 7, verse 14. Another one of the messianic birth prophecies out of the prophet Isaiah. This is about 800 years before the birth of Christ. 800 years. Somebody say 800 years. All right, 800 years is a long time. 800 years, uh, the prophet Isaiah says this. Therefore, the Lord himself will give you a sign. The virgin will conceive and give birth to a son and call him Emmanuel. Somebody say Emmanuel. So here, here goes another 800-year-old prophecy that says there will be a virgin and she will conceive and she will give birth and this is going to be a sign and she's going to have a son and that son's name will be Emmanuel. Isn't that awesome? And, and we see this as a messianic prophecy because we know that Mary was a virgin. And some might say, oh, well, you know, did Mary have to be a virgin? There's another uh, translation of the Hebrew text that essentially uh, recognizes that the word used for virgin can also mean young woman. So Mary wasn't, maybe wasn't actually a virgin. Maybe she was just a young woman. Uh, but but if we, we start to go down that trail, what it's essentially presupposing is that miracles can happen. And here's my understanding of that, is if you can't, if you can't receive the miracle of the virgin birth, then how are you supposed to receive the miracle of the resurrection of Christ? So in other words, the virgin, uh, uh, the story of Mary being a virgin and that Jesus having a virgin birth is not necessarily something that might make or break someone's faith. But if you already start going down the, uh, the, 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 the kind of rabbit hole of recognizing that maybe she was, maybe she wasn't, then, uh, then how should you also be expected to be able to receive the fact that Jesus died, he was buried, he was pronounced dead, and he was raised again? Whatever. If God can do one miracle, he can do another one. So are you, pre are you predisposed this morning? This is maybe connecting it to some application. Are you predisposed this morning to the idea that God can do miracles or that miracles don't exist? And I believe that's a significant question. Because uh, my encouragement is this. If you are not exactly sure whether or not God has done or will continue to do miracles, then I want to encourage you to be open to it because that is the birthplace of faith. Faith is trusting God that even though I can't see it, you're going to find a way to do it, God. Faith is saying, Lord, the, the numbers don't add up, but you're bigger than numbers. Faith is saying, God, uh, the, the track record of my life seems to suggest this, but for whatever reason, if you're involved, then I believe that something different can happen. 
and that you can bring something good out of something messed up. Faith is giving us this ability to, to, to trust in God in spite of what we see. That what we see doesn't dictate what we expect. That we say, Lord, this is how it looks, but I'm trusting you because you're a great God. You're a mighty God. You're a miracle-working God. You created this earth from nothing. That's already miracle number one. Miracle number two, I exist. I get to breathe and think and talk with others. What a miracle that is. Wow. Some of you, you know your story better than I do, but you probably know you shouldn't be alive today. Right? I know some people in this church that their mom and dad was thinking about an abortion before they were born, and yet for whatever reason, there was a change of mind, and here they are today living and breathing. Why? Because God did a miracle. Some of us in here, uh, uh, doctors told your parents that they would never have children for one reason or another, and yet here you are eating Thanksgiving leftovers still today. Don't raise your hand if that was you, okay? Because that was me too. Man, munching on that turkey still, right? Those last bits of mashed potatoes hanging in there, getting a little powdery by about now, right? But you know, desperate times call for desperate measures, a miracle. Man, God has done miracles. And he continues to do them every single day. So on what plane, like on, on what uh, phase of reality is your heart and your mind? Is it only on the material, on the natural? Then my encouragement to you would be this. Ask the Lord to give you an opportunity to see what he's doing behind the scenes. Right? Because that changes how we pray. That changes how we trust. That changes how we live. So, how do we get all that from Isaiah chapter 7, verse 14? Because the prophet Isaiah said a virgin is going to be with child. So when Isaiah says it, and when Luke says it, then I believe it. That Mary was a virgin. I don't got a problem with it. And the primary reason why I have no problem with it is, A, because the Bible says it, and B, because I believe in miracles. It says she will, she will give birth to a son and will call him Emmanuel. Emmanuel. Okay, I know there's at least one person in here this morning that doesn't know, that thinks that's just a cool name. Because, by the way, it is a pretty cool name. Right, Emmanuel's a good name, right? Especially brother, brother Pastor Emmanuel back there say, yeah, it is. <laughs> Emmanuel's a good name, but it has a, a meaning. It has a Hebrew meaning. And the Hebrew meaning of the word Emmanuel means God with us. God with us. Emmanuel means God with us. So uh, the, the prophet Isaiah is saying the virgin's going to have a baby and the baby is going to be called Emmanuel because what that means is that right there with you in the middle of everything you're going through, all that you're carrying, all that you figured out and can't figure out, all that you're worried about, concerned about, all that you haven't figured out a way to solve and work your way through, all the things that have caused you to feel discouraged and heavy and burdened and weighed down, all the things that cause you to feel so small because life has just been really big upon you right now all those things that are on you right now God wants you to know that there's a promise that he is with you and the embodiment or the personification or the incarnation of that truth is in 
Jesus, our Messiah. He represents that truth that God is with you. So let me pause there for a moment and tell you, God is with you. God. Now, I'm not just talking about like, you know, your homies with you. Because that's a good thing to have your homie. If you got a homie with you, you can get through a lot, right? But I'm not just talking about your homie. I'm talking about the creator of the universe. The king of kings, the alpha and the omega, the beginning and the end. Man, that's encouraging. Right? You know how it is when you're going through something uh, difficult in your life. You don't often need a thousand people to be in your corner. But if you got that one right person, you could go through so much. Imagine now when you realize that that one person is Jesus. Oh, he's with you. Some of us pray and we say, Lord, help, just be with me as I go through this thing. See, the thing about it is this. He's already with you. You just got to realize that he is. Right? He's already with you. My, Joseph, Ruthie, Micaiah, they don't got to beg me to be with them through a hard time. They don't got to beg, Dad, can you please this? That? No, I'm right there. You say, Dad, I, I'm, I'm up already. What do you need? Right? Especially once I hear crying, right? As soon as you hear, you know, parents, you know how that is. As soon as you hear crying, no matter what, you could be in the best nap you've ever been taking, right? Man, that, you know that nap right after lunch and football? And, uh, and man, you're, you're just hitting that, like, nice uh, uh, REM cycle on the couch, right? Naps always are better on the couch for me. I don't know why. But, uh, you know, it's just like, oh, man, boom. And then all of a sudden I hear crying. Boom. All right. I'm ready. Got, got, dad's, got dad's attention, right? See, what you're experiencing and going through right now, the, the challenges, the difficulties in your life are not a surprise, to your heavenly father. And Isaiah solidifies that by saying, there's going to be a, a virgin birth, and, and, and then there, she's going to have a child, and it's going to be a son, and they're going to call him God with us. God with us. That's encouraging, right? Okay, so I want to look at another one. Isaiah 9, Isaiah 9, Isaiah 9, verse 2. Isaiah 9, verse 2, says this, The people walking in darkness have seen a great light. On those living in the land of deep darkness, a light has dawned. Now we see this as a messianic prophecy and a prophecy of the birth of Christ because Isaiah essentially is talking here that those who have been discouraged, those who have gone through life and have been uh, enveloped by sin, right? If you have walked in darkness before in your own life, let me see you raise your hand. And every single one of our hands should go up because every single one of us has experienced the darkness that comes from separation from God. Through sin. It darkens our senses. It darkens our mind. Darkens our heart. Causes us to experience hopelessness and a sense of being lost. Isaiah says here, the people walking in darkness, which is every single one of us in our sin. In our anger. In our pain. In our trauma. In the things that we carry that cause us 
to, for whatever reason, be convinced that there is no God, and if there is a God, he doesn't care about me. That's darkness. But Isaiah says, but the people who've walked in darkness have seen a great light. A great light. Not a small light. Not a little light, not a, not a camera, flashlight, or on your cell phone that you pull out to help you find something that's lost at the movie theater under the chair. Because you all know that you've done it, right? And the, no, Isaiah's not talking about a tiny little light. He says, the people who have walked in darkness have seen a great light. Let me talk about this for a second. Because I believe this is important for us. See, we, human nature, man, we... When you go to a movie and you watch it and, and it starts off with conflict, right? A good movie usually gives you uh, something at some point early on uh, demonstrates that there's a really big problem, right? And then hopefully a good movie gets to the point where that problem is being addressed, maybe by the hero, the, the, the protagonist. Somebody comes and addresses that problem. Uh, when it comes to the, the story of salvation, we, uh, as in our human nature as followers of Christ, we love to focus and get right to the punchline and the moment where the story shows the hero that shows up to save the day, right? But what we often figure out is the problem that the hero is saving us from. And that problem, according to our word of God, is the problem of sin. The only reason why Christmas makes sense is because of sin. Some of you are like, what you talking about? The only reason why we celebrate that God came to be with us, the, that God put on flesh, the only reason why we celebrate that Jesus was born in Bethlehem, the only reason why we tell the story of, of Mary and Joseph traveling and, and of that leading to this, uh, this miraculous uh, virgin birth and, and the way that all of that has changed human history forever, the reason why all of that makes sense is because we battle this thing, perpetual thing, called sin. And it has impacted every single one of us. None of us is without sin. Paul says it clearly in the book of Romans that we've all fallen short of the glory of God. And so because we've wrestled with this sin issue and we've tried many things to get rid of it. So Moses under the uh, guidance of the Holy Spirit and in his uh, conversation and friendship with God was given the Ten Commandments. And the hope was that now that we have these ten things that will teach us how to treat God the, the way God needs to be treated and to treat others the way that they need to be treated, that once we had that uh, placed into our, 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 our kind of system of worship and living, that things would be fine and sin would be eradicated. And the Ten Commandments came and all of a sudden we said hey by the way you shouldn't kill people that's not a good idea and don't take things from somebody else if it doesn't belong to you and also beyond that don't want something that you shouldn't want because that's called coveting and don't try to have uh, you know somebody else's wife be your wife and you can go down the list of all the different expectations that are part of the Ten Commandments and what we find is that though these Ten Commandments and the law that came with it were meant to squelch sin all that it did was show us how difficult it is for us to actually avoid it. Now we just, we're given a name for things that we have a hard time getting away from. Oh, that's what that's called, coveting. Okay, bad, don't do it. Shoot, messed up again. All right, 
What do I do to get rid of this thing? Animal sacrifice. Bring it to the temple. What kind of sacrifice? Well, it depends on what kind of sin, all right? Where are you going to offer that sacrifice? you got to go to Jerusalem for that. You know how far away that is from where I live? Well, that's part of your expense, too. Sin is costly, right? Now you got to buy a plane ticket, and then you got to buy animals in the temple courtyard just to go into the temple to deal with that sin issue. And you know the thing that you're bringing to the temple only represents a tenth because you're too embarrassed to admit the other nine-tenths of your sin that you have have in your life so so we tried to deal with it through the law and the law didn't get it done and then God sent the prophets and they came and they said you better turn from your wicked ways because God sees every single thing and you thought you were under this hedge of protection and just because you're the 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 special chosen people of God that for whatever reason life wasn't going to touch you but guess what it goes both ways and God expects faithfulness and obedience from you but you haven't lived in faithfulness and obedience therefore you will experience the wrath of God who has expectations for how we're supposed to live this life that we didn't deserve we were given freely because of his love for us and then what happened we killed the prophets and we told them get out of here we don't need you right so kings and judges and prophets and the law and all these different kinds of things throughout the old testament were god's ways of saying let's deal with this sin thing once and for all and none of those solutions in the old testament ultimately led to what we needed until we found out that God said, all right, you know what? Sent prophets, sent Moses, sent all these people. Guess what? I'm coming now. So Christmas is both a, a season of celebration and excitement, and it's also a season where we say, man, God is recognizing I've tried all these different things. It hasn't worked for them, so therefore I am coming. I'm going to put on skin. I'm going to walk among them, and that's who Jesus is. He's God with us. He's Emmanuel, and that is both exciting because we know we have the comfort of God's presence, that he could help deal with this issue that we have, that no matter what we've tried, it hasn't gotten us there yet, right? We've tried to, to be as good as we possibly can. It didn't get us very far. We tried to, to fast, and, 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 and then all of a sudden we just got hungry and went and like ate 17 hamburgers right after the fast, right? We've tried to do all these different things to fix ourselves, and God said, you're never going to be able to fix yourself, but my son Jesus can do something about your sin problem. And he took our sin on the cross. Isn't that awesome? He took your sin, he threw it on the ground like a grenade, and he jumped on it. That's what God has done for us. So Christmas is both a time to celebrate and to be excited, but it's also a time to say, man, for those of us in here who continue to walk in our sin and we haven't dealt with it the right way and we make excuses for it and we justify it and and we say, well, you know, uh, everybody else is a sinner just like me, so why should I really care? For those of us who are not yet willing to turn around from that sin, then Christmas also is kind of bad news because what it means is God is with us, right? It means God is with us. You know how it is when, when uh, we've talked about this before, but, you know, uh, uh, the news of your parents being close by to you most of the time is encouraging until you're doing something you shouldn't be doing, and then the news of your parents being close by is like, oh, shoot. <laughs> Let me hit the side door real quick. Let me hit this window, All right? And so Christmas means God's with us. That's good news and bad news. 
My hope is that you see it and receive it as good news this season. Amen? You don't got to run from your darkness. You just need to find the light in the midst of it. All right? Okay, last scripture. Last scripture. Man, I, I wish I gave myself more time to cover this one, but we'll have to revisit it another time. Um, Isaiah 9-6. Isaiah 9-6. In fact, I'd love to ask if the worship team wouldn't mind making their way back to the stage, if our ushers can start getting ready. I know we have communion uh, that we want to uh, celebrate today as a, as a body. Um, let, let's go ahead and start preparing for that as I read this final uh, final verse, this final prophecy, Old Testament prophecy of the birth of Christ. Isaiah chapter 9, verse 6 says, For unto us a child is born, and to us a son is given. And the government will be on his shoulders, and he will be called Wonderful. Come on, can somebody say wonderful this morning? Wonderful. He will be called wonderful. Oh, I just want to make sure that you are reminded on December 3rd. Oh, that, that there's something more wonderful than a Christmas tree being lit up. There's something more wonderful than, you know, an L.A. fake snow coming down at a parade. There's something more wonderful than fireworks at Disneyland. There's something more wonderful than, uh, than tinsel and glittery colors. There's something more wonderful than finding something 60% off on a sale. There's something more wonderful than even gathering together with family. There's something more wonderful than all those things. And, and the wonder of it all, right, is that God still loves you. Amen. Did you notice how I put the word still in there? Because some of us believe God loves us, but then once we think about our sin and brokenness and our fallenness, and how much we've stumbled and how much we've slipped and how much we've disappeared and then reappeared. And, and when we think about our, our failures, mm-hmm. we're like, yeah, Pastor Kobe, I believe you that God loves us, but I don't know if he still loves me. Right. I want to tell you this morning that he still loves you. Yeah. Right? That's wonderful. That's wonderful. Um, Isaiah says he's going to be called Counselor. Counselor. Somebody say Counselor. Counselor simply means this. You don't know what decision to make? Well, don't make that decision on your own. There's somebody who wants to talk you through that. Amen. You know, hey, are you open to my counsel? I recommend you stop going there. I recommend you stop doing this. I recommend you start doing these things. I recommend you go this way instead of that way. The counselor is with us. Isn't that awesome? 24-7. Offices don't close at 5 o'clock or the weekends. All right? Call on him. Lord, I don't know what to do. I'm so glad that you asked. Where should we start? Amen? Amen. Man, that is some good news. Wonderful. And he's counselor. And he's mighty God. Mighty God. Somebody say mighty God. Mighty God. Yeah. That's what I'm talking about. Mighty God. When I think of mighty God in Isaiah's prophecy, right, 
that, that a child's going to be born and a son is going to be given and the government will be on his shoulder. He will, he's going to be called Wonderful. He's going to be called Counselor. He's going to be called Mighty God. Immediately I'm reminded in that moment how unmighty I am and how many things I can't do on my own and, and, and how hard things have been and how hard I think the next year or five years may be. And, and it's in that moment where I see my own weakness that I, I hear the good news that there's a God who's called Mighty who wants to be with me through all those things. He's a mighty God. He's a loving God. He's a merciful God. And he's a mighty God. What can't God do? What can't he fix? What can't our God turn around? What can't our God heal? What can't, who can't our God save and turn around, right? If you believe that God does miracles, again, which is why it's so important for us to be okay and maybe even accepting and excited about the fact that our Savior was born of a virgin. If you could believe that, then you are on the right track to believing that God might want to do some things, that, some other things that your mind can't figure out. Don't put God in a box. Don't, don't limit God to what you make sense to you. More often than not, the things that he does that are good have no ability, we have no ability to make sense of it, but we don't need to. Why? Because our God, his, his ways are, are greater than our ways. So wonderful, counselor, mighty God, everlasting father. We can go on that one for a long time, but I won't. He's a father who's always going to be there. Always, always going to be there. Aren't you thankful for that? Right? Always, everlasting Father. That's powerful. And finally, Prince of Peace. Prince of Peace. Peace. Somebody say, Prince of Peace. The Prince of Peace. Isn't that interesting how, like, in these next few weeks, we're going to try to figure out what we can afford, what we should buy, who we should buy what for. And, man, if there was one thing that we wish we could put a dollar amount on, it would be peace. Right? Because we all know that money can't buy peace. You could have all the money in the world and still not have peace. And you can have no money at all and experience the peace of God. So if you think of your, uh, what was that song somebody sang? A grown-up Christmas list? Is that what it's called? Am I making stuff up? Blame it on YouTube. No, our kids are, are writing down their list. In fact, Joseph was clear to tell Santa yesterday that his list... Uh, is, uh, no, was it Joseph or Ruthie? One of the kids told Santa yesterday that their list was two pages long. <laughs> and then again, I was impressed by this Santa. I gave him another tip. He says, well, you know, sometimes Santa brings you things that aren't on your list. <laughs> I, said, I gave him knuckles like that behind, you know. Amen, Santa. <laughs> How did I go there? Let's bring it back. Peace. Oh, wouldn't that be awesome if the Lord brings peace in your heart as you prepare for Christmas this year? Peace in your family. Peace in your relationships. 
oh man, wouldn't that be awesome? Wouldn't that be a good Christmas? Right? Wouldn't that, be, wouldn't that feel good, smell good, look good? If there was peace. Right? There was peace in Israel. There's peace in our world. There's peace in the streets of Los Angeles. There's peace between races and ethnicities. There's peace between the classes. If there's peace between the Republicans and the Democrats, if there was peace, man, Lord Jesus, we need your peace. Oh, man. Well, Isaiah said, we get all that in one, and his name is Jesus. Amen.